Well, after that prayer, I ought to just turn you loose and you can answer your questions in your small groups. That was uh, very nice. And uh, he hit kind of the high points of the idea of biblical wisdom. Um, but I do have a couple of things I might be able to add to that to help in your discussion this morning. Um, for those of you who weren't here last week, uh, we're talking about biblical wisdom. And last week we kind of talked about it uh, with respect to the overview of, you know, what is biblical wisdom and compared with common sense, compared with knowledge, you know, that sort of thing. Um, but I kind of like application uh, most when, I, when I'm listening to somebody teach and when I try to teach. And so today we're going to get far more into this idea of application. How does biblical wisdom play out in the lives of the people who love God? Or if they don't love God, what, is, what happens in them? So we're going to move on. Now last week uh, we talked a bit about Proverbs. How many of you all spent the entire week studying Proverbs after last week's lesson? No? What, remember why I said it was a good thing to study Proverbs though? Who can, who, can, who can offer that to the crowd? What's the value of Proverbs? The book. Well, it's wisdom. And who was it written by? The wisest guy who ever lived with the idea that his descendants could have a profitable and happy life because of wisdom. And so he wrote these Proverbs down, which... Again, I have to confess, this week I'm studying Proverbs and I'm thinking, didn't I already read that proverb in the last chapter or two verses ago? Uh, and yes, it does seem somewhat repetitive. My only, my only hope is, as I talked to a couple of pastor friends of mine who agreed with me, that the reason that Solomon repeats some of these things so many times is because we are so thick-headed that we simply do not get it or don't remember it or don't see it as valuable enough. And he says... I am telling you this is valuable. So pay attention. I'm going to repeat this 65 times during the book of Proverbs. And there's a reason for that. And so I've just got to trust God knows what he's doing. Certainly Solomon knew what he was doing. So in Proverbs 9.10, last week we were in 8, 9.10, it says, The fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Fear of the Lord foundation of wisdom. I like things that have a foundation. You can build on a foundation, right? If you don't have a good foundation, we got a, I live in a neighborhood that's fairly new over in um, Heritage Hills. And we just had something happen in our neighborhood that has people at a very high hover. You've heard about them on the news. Maybe you've had personal experience. It's a sinkhole. And it's a sinkhole in the middle of one of the roads. And everybody thinks that their houses are going to get swallowed up into the earth now. And the engineers are out there looking at it. And they're trying to tell us, oh, no, 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 it can't be a sinkhole. Let's use the word depression. Sinkhole brings out the news broadcasters. Uh, depression, that's not so bad. You can be depressed all day long. And then you can get over it whatever that might be, but is it, is it a foundation problem with the road? Is it they, they do something wrong when they built it? Foundation is important to me. And so uh, as we talk about fear of the Lord, when we say the fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom, let's talk about the fear of the Lord. Um, so 
when I talk about fear of the Lord, here is a, a, a um, uh, you know, what we said last week was it was a sense of awe and respect for the majesty of God. And I just wrote, the, I read those words so quickly, and you probably didn't even hear them. Fear of the Lord is awe and respect for the majesty of God. Remember that song, Majesty, we used to sing in church before, you know, it was more contemporary songs, you know, majesty, worship his majesty, okay? Majesty, that's an amazing concept of God. And what I read this week that I just thought was terrific and really spoke to me was fearing God saves us from caving into our own sinful nature. Our own sinful nature. I mean, it's, it's true that no matter what happens, no matter how much we study, no matter how much we try, we've got this sinful nature. It's throughout Scripture. There's no way to get a, a, around it. And if we're not careful, we will cave into that. And the fear of God is what keeps us from doing that. So somebody who fears God is somebody who's trustworthy, somebody who treats others with respect, somebody who is kind. And we talked about that last week as well. So Romans 3, you know, we can, Old Testament, Proverbs, great. Okay, let's talk about Romans 3. Now, of course, it's kind of a trick verse because even though it's in the New Testament, it's referring back to the Old Testament, back to this. But it teaches us that those who are sinners have no fear of God at all. So there's the converse, the inverse side of that. I say, fear the Lord, get wisdom. But sinners don't fear the Lord. Okay, so that's what we learn in Romans. Now, today, we're going to talk about application. We're going to talk about the life of a guy named Joseph. Now, we don't really have time this morning to get into the whole story of Joseph. Anybody, everybody understand Joseph? I mean, anybody want to summarize Joseph's life quickly? Somebody able to do that? Joseph. Say again, over here. Any comments, yeah? I'll have to do that. <laughs> that's, what, that's what they're paying me for. Yeah, right, okay. Um, okay, well, we don't have time to get into it, but uh, most of you know he was sold into slavery by his brothers, right? And he gets taken away, and then he uh, basically has to live the life of a slave, and then he starts doing better, and he starts uh, being able to work in the house of his master, and he's looked at fondly, but particularly too fondly, by his master, who's Potiphar, by Potiphar's wife. And so he leaves Potiphar's wife in a hurry because he has no intention of, of, of going to bed with her, but that was her focus. But then she reports him anyway and says that he did something that he didn't do and he gets thrown into jail and so he labors in jail and his friends come and say hey if ever I get out of jail I'm going to stand by you brother I'm going to make sure you're okay and that happens and his friend gets out of jail and forgets all about him and he leaves him there in jail until something happens that causes the pharaoh to pull him out of jail and that's where we're going to pick up this story now Joseph was a quick learner he had a new culture he had to get used to because when his brother sold him into slavery, he went far away from home. New language, new trades. But no matter what changed, Joseph knew that his God was unchanging. And so he stayed with God throughout all of that. The, change, the, the, the standards didn't change even though his circumstances did. So he knew 
At this point, when Potiphar's wife came to him and said, hey, let's go to bed together. You're a, an attractive guy, and you're a smart guy, and you're a leader in the community, and uh, I want to sleep with you. And he knew it was easier to sleep with Potiphar's wife. Would have been, been a piece of cake. Could have done that. But he knew that he wasn't going to be sinning against Potiphar's wife. He was going to be sinning against God. And that is the thing that Joseph could not deal with. He could not accept that. And he knew that God would find out about what he would do. And as I was thinking about that, have any of y'all, you know, there's a lot of websites these days, and, and you got to be careful where you go, uh, as I talk to people about studying scripture, but have you ever heard of a website called WikiHow? WikiHow is a place, if you go say, hey, you know, how can I put up tile in my bathroom, and you go to, and, and, you, and you search for that, one of the sites that might come up is WikiHow, and it'll show you little pictures of how to put tile up in your bathroom, or how to lay flooring, or how to fix your car, or whatever it might be. There's a WikiHow on the, one of their entries is, how to get away with stuff in school. Believe it. Here are the steps. Number one. Always think things out beforehand. Think of yourself as a master criminal, like an art thief. The best art thieves don't just see something and grab it. They plan every detail in advance. They know exactly what you're going to do before you do it. Number two, know your environment. Have a knowledge of working, of working in a knowledge of the environment where you're going to be able to get away with stuff unobserved. And number three, know your enemy. Study your teachers and other staff. These are the people you need to sneak around. So plan your actions around them. Can you believe that that's on the web? Teaching some kid how to be sneaky and get away with stuff at school. Well, I'm sure there's people out there that are trying to get away with things. But followers of Jesus should not be among them. Because we know, as Joseph knew, he might have been able to fool Potiphar. He might have even been able to fool Potiphar's wife, but he wasn't ever going to fool God. And he knew that. Joseph was able to hold on to his integrity because he feared God. God gave him success wherever he went because of this. So now we're going to pick up the story after Potiphar's wife puts him in jail in Genesis 41. Pharaoh's dream we hear about Pharaoh's dream, greatly troubled him. He was concerned about this, and he asked his magicians and the, quote, wise, unquote, men in his community, how do I interpret my dream? And they couldn't do it. But this is when Joseph's old cellmate, who had become cupbearer to the Pharaoh, said, wait a second, I remember this guy in the jail, his name was, was Joseph, and he was able to interpret a dream, maybe he can take care of you. So, so the Pharaoh says, okay, send him up here. So the Pharaoh tells Joseph about his dream, and he says he wants him to interpret it. Now Joseph says, first thing, it's beyond my power to do this, Pharaoh. I can't do this, but I think God can probably do it for you. Think about that for just a second. You're appearing before the Pharaoh. Now we know a little bit about Pharaohs, right? They are not easy people to get along with. They they just do whatever they want, and they don't have to give you a reason for it. They, they can be very pugnacious leaders. But Joseph said to him, I can't do it, but my God can. So then Pharaoh describes his dream. And you remember the dream? Kind of, sort of? He says, 
hey, I was standing on the banks of the Nile, and I saw seven fat calves. Uh, cows, not calves, cows. I saw seven fat cows, and then I saw seven lean cows, sickly cows. And the seven sickly cows ate up the fat cows, but they were still lean and sickly after they had eaten those fat cows. And then I saw seven grains, or heads of grain that were full and, and, and complete. And then I saw seven withered heads of grain, and the seven withered heads of grain ate the good grain, but they were no better after they ate them. They were still blighted and withered. And so he says, what's that dream about? What's going on here? Well, what Joseph says is, hey, God is telling Pharaoh that the seven healthy, healthy cows and the seven heads of grain represent seven years of prosperity. The seven lean cows represent seven years of famine. So basically he goes on and he explains that you're going to have seven good years and then seven really terrible years, famine years. Then he states in verse 33, therefore, therefore, Pharaoh should find an intelligent and wise man and put him in charge of the entire land of Egypt. So tells him that. Joseph lays all this out for Pharaoh. So you know, Pharaoh is very proud, very obstinate. Is a guy like that going to take well to the idea that his kingdom is going to be suffering from uh, all this blight, all of this famine? Probably not. But Joseph says this to him. I remember when I was serving in the army, I was a major. I was stationed over in Europe. I was a, I was a brigade logistics officer, an S4 for you guys who were in the service. And I had a colonel that worked for me. Our brigade was an artillery brigade, and we provided all the fire support for 5th Corps artillery, or for 5th Corps, which meant we had nuke missiles, we had Lance, we had Pershing, we had uh, howitzers, we had MLRS as well. And our commander was a full colonel by the name of Schulte, and he was a real piece of work. He was like a pharaoh. And he was very hard man to work for. And when I got there, uh, I, was, uh, I was cautioned by people, you don't ever want to give him bad news. And I went to a couple of briefings, and somebody would get up and tell him something bad, and he'd fire him. I mean, it was just, oh, it was amazing how just this guy was, he was a tyrant. Now, how many of you all have worked in logistics before? Any kind of logistics, food, bullets, beans, anything. You know things don't go well all the time. I mean, if there's something going to get dorked up, that's where it's going to get dorked up. Because it's not always your responsibility, but stuff happens. And I had bad news. And I was thinking, oh, man, how am I going to do this? I get in front of Colonel Schulte, and I said, well, this is the problem. This is what's going on. And he never leveled his guns at me. He never did anything to me about that. I could tell him almost anything. People in the brigade started to joke about it. They said, man, we got bad news. Let's give it to Stu. He can tell Colonel Schulte, and then we'll be okay. I don't know exactly know why. Well, I do know why I believe that happened. I believe God put a hedge around me when I was in front of that colonel. And, and that's, that's where... Colonel Schulte saw me, but he saw something more than me. He saw this hedge that God had put around me. I did one other thing. I did one other thing that Joseph did. I didn't recognize it at the time. I just thought it was what you do when you tell people bad news. I always followed it up with a plan. I always followed it up with an answer. I just didn't take a 
thinky thing and drop it at his feet and say, here, deal with it. I'd say, now there's two ways to deal with that, and these are the two ways. Well, that's exactly what Joseph did in this story. Remember, he said, okay, here's the bad news. Now, here's a way to get around that, Pharaoh. Find an intelligent and wise man. Put him in charge of the land of Egypt. So Pharaoh doesn't, he's not left with this little, well, you know what I'm thinking of. He's not left with this thing just lying there, stinking on the ground. He's got a solution to the problem. And so this is what Pharaoh says. He says, Joseph's suggestion was well received by Pharaoh and his officials. So Pharaoh asked his officials, can we find anyone else like, like this man so obviously filled with the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else is intelligent or wise as you are. You will be in charge of my court, and all my people will take orders from you. Only I, sitting on my throne, will have a rank higher than yours. Now, Fortunately, Joseph's wisdom was not limited to just interpreting dreams. I mean, imagine being put in charge of all Egypt under these circumstances. He would have had to have been pretty wise to actually lay that plan out, make it work for the community, make it work so that they could get through those lean years. And he exactly did that. So where did this come from for Joseph? Where did he get this? Where does it, from the... From we, as we look at his life and then later on in his life, one of the things we talked about kindness earlier. Do you remember the story when his brothers actually came because they needed food? And he recognized that these were his brothers, but they didn't know who he was. He could have been a real jerk. He could have said, hey, now's my time to exact vengeance against my brothers who sold me into slavery. But he didn't do that. I mean, he played with them a little bit, but... He eventually came around and, and was very kind to them. Acts 7.10 says, God also gave Joseph unusual wisdom. In the prayer this morning, what did he say? Wisdom comes from God. It's not just knowledge. It's not just common sense. Joseph just wasn't smart about things of cows and things of grain. Joseph understood something because God gave him wisdom to be able to understand that. It came from Joseph's desire to honor God and to live according to his teaching. In other words, for his fear of God. Well, I've come up with some questions this morning that are going to kind of connect you and your tables to this in a way to kind of think through these verses and maybe some others that are part of this story and to see where the fear of the Lord and where wisdom plays out in this whole story. And so as I turn this back over to Ray, I hope that you are able to have some good conversation about this.